Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. Yeah, I can talk as fast as you, too. <laughs> Do I talk too fast? I feel um, sometimes you're, it's a bit, it, yeah, a little bit. I think it was growing up on radio in the 80s. Remember Rick Dees? I think he did all the coke. You always talk like, hey, it's, you know, whatever, you know, it's talking super fast. You're in the top 40. It wasn't smooth like Casey Kasem. Oh, that's true. He should totally have a thing, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. I always love Casey Kasem's like, and this is a call coming in from Minnesota. It's about a long lost love. That he once was looking, you know, whatever, like, and he would go into, and it's somehow connected to this foreigner song. <laughs> yeah, it's like, did he just come up with that shit on the spot, or what? There was one where I, I it's a, it, there's a blooper somewhere about it where he was talking about, like, he had just read an obituary, and then he's like, I would like to dedicate this next song or whatever, and it was something really silly and goofy or whatever, and he's like, and then they didn't realize he was still on the air after all that thing. He goes, are you fucking kidding me? We just read someone's death about, you know, someone dying, and then we're going to talk about this group. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit weird. All right, so let's get actually get to the point. Yeah, we do this a lot. I apologize. Uh, so this episode we're discussing, uh, I'll say this. I got confused somewhere on the way that we were doing uh, Angus on the last episode, and I was like, crap, I got to find something that will go with Angus. And boy, it won easy. And I still... Don't think I really got it right, but about the closest yeah. you're gonna get to a, a decent pairing with Angus is uh, yeah, the Duff. Yeah, it's a stretch, but it, it's there. Yeah, both are so good, so fucking good. You haven't said the name of the second movie yet. I did, but you talked over me, you jibber jabber. <laughs> uh, the second film is the Duff. If you didn't catch it the first time, um, which would you like to start off with? Let's start off with Angus, I guess. Okay. I'm having trouble believing. Sometimes Wikipedia shows you the budget and the box office of something. I'm having a hard, hard time believing that Angus only costs one and a half million dollars. Just think about the fact that um, the soundtrack alone probably cost a fortune, you know? And then it wasn't shot in like, you know, Bulgaria and it had Kathy Bates, Oscar nominated Kathy Bates. You know, she had a couple hits under her belt, so I'm guessing that's probably wrong. Plus, George, she's got. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean. I, I, he wasn't really in his peak by any means, but he couldn't. I know that. Uh, he probably, like, he you know, was like yeah. an institution at that point. Right, right. It's, uh, I think, an absolutely phenomenal film. And the only thing I could, like, take away from it, and it's not even his fault, it was his first movie, was uh, Charlie as Angus mm-hmm. isn't the strongest actor, of course, but I think he's perfectly fine for a first time performance. Oh, yeah, I think that he's quite endearing and likable and, I mean, maybe if we were going to compare it to, say, like, The Mighty or something that we did last time, like, you know, similar, because it had some similarities and, you know, young actors and stuff, but, like, how many movies had Eldon Henderson made before, you know, before that? Right, well, and Kieran, he had so, made quite a few movies. Yeah, it's the only part, and I say, yeah, so, the only part I think where it, it, it doesn't feel solid is when he's giving, like, his speeches. It doesn't have a lot of nuance. Yeah. It's just like he's just saying the words, but he's not acting that that part. Yeah. Um, but I also think, oh, by the way, Charlie walked away from acting for a very long time, and I had seen around, like, early, mid-2000s, he had done a couple movies. I think one of them was, like, one of those National Lampoon movies. 
And I didn't know that he has been acting consistently for like the last 15 years. And it's weird oh, seeing... I just, Go ahead. I just watched one of the movies that he was in like last week and I didn't even realize it. It is so strange to be like seeing him my age, you know, like a gray hair or whatever. And it's like, oh, that, that's oh, what not wow. like. <laughs> um, and Chris that's Owen, that's I mean, he was... To know. What's that? I just, that's lovely. I'm glad. Yeah, I always wondered, like, some people just do co uh, do acting just to, like, oh, this will pay for my college, or this, I'm just going to try this out and see if it works, and sometimes they get bored with it, or they don't like the world that is in, and maybe he just needed that breather, and then he went off to school and did acting later. Yeah, it, he, it looks like he has, like, several things, like, in the works, too. Oh, Chris Owen has gray hair, too. I am not ready for this. <laughs> this I is mean, weird for it, me. Charlie Culver is one year younger than you. Yeah, I didn't, I don't know why. I mean, I was in college when this movie came out, so it was very, it's just very strange to think about that. Yeah, I know, I get it. Especially with Chris being again, so... I, I, I still think it's like the early 2000s, so yeah. I don't know. Chris Owen, you know, he was so tiny, whatever. Of course, he got super tall by the time he started doing like the American Pie and stuff like that. I think he's the MVP of this movie. He has some of the funniest fucking <laughs> lines and behavior. I still, yeah. in my head, quote, <laughs> It's a doctor's note. It's from my dad. Your dad is a dentist. I have bleeding gums. <laughs> and, then, and then the gym teacher goes, Every day with this kid. Every day. <laughs> yeah, a... you, gotta, you gotta admire the hutzpah of that kid, you know? Yeah. Well, he has. <laughs> I admire the fact that his character was so confident in his weirdness. Like, he was completely yeah. okay with it. Yes, he was insecure, and he did sell out his friend in school. That's the shitty part. But he's a scared little boy. He's not Angus size. He, You know, he can't yeah. really defend himself. And, I mean, they show that fairly early on, is that Angus has um, problems controlling his emotions, which is... And he fights back immediately, like, the minute he meets Troy. Um... Not yeah. Troy. The Troy's his friend. What was the fucking character that James Vander... Oh, uh, 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 Rick Sanford. Um, Rick Sanford. That's like one of the douchiest names in the whole world. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, Rick it's, Sanford. Yeah, it's like, well, what's what's douchier? Stan Gable or Rick Sanford? <laughs> Rick Sanford, for sure. Really? Okay. Um, what yeah. was what mm -hmm. was the one on Better Off Dead? And I always used to... Stan Marsh or something like that, whatever. I can't remember. That was, oh, that's from South Park, but... Um, I completely lost my point. Completely. Oh, uh, yeah. so it's interesting because they show his relationship with Rick. You know, from the beginning, he's already punching him back or whatever. And usually in real life and in other movies, once you stand up for yourself, they kind of back off. And it's so interesting yes. that he keeps digging and digging and digging no matter how many times he gets punched in the face. And, I, and you know, I know that the fighting is not the answer, quote-unquote, but I actually respect it a lot that he, like, you know, defends all these people. And, you know, I know he, <clears throat> again, that's not the answer, but sometimes it's the answer. Sorry. <laughs> Take a drink every time someone goes, Angus, you broke his nose. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You would think you would think by off. that point that James Vanderbeek's nose would be like all crooked and weird and smashed. Yeah, he he did he did a number on that guy. 
It's so funny to think it, because when I saw that he was going to star in Dawson's Creek, I was like, that fucking douchebag from Angus? What? I, I don't, yeah, I, I guess I didn't connect it. Good thing, but, I, I mean, listen, Dawson, I mean, whatever you're, James, uh, you're the weakest link on your own show. Yeah. Oh, boy. And, and his speeches were always, like, just so full of themselves. I'm like, oh, and, boy. Oh, my, oh. The writer's working so some I shit out. That there are I, there are two connections, similarities between these two movies. The obvious the obvious one that you know it's different. It's it's a different form, but they are local in a way. And then uh, they're all both of them are also based on books. Oh, you're right. The Duff is based on a book. I forgot. I saw that when the Oh, yeah. Opened. Well, yeah, and of course... The one I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that this one was based on a book by actually one of my favorite authors, Chris Crutcher, who writes a lot. Most of his books are about, um, you know, the uh, outcasts and bullying and, you know, like accepting yourself and all that you know that kind of stuff so i this is the one i didn't know was a book i've actually read the duff before oh it's a collection it's part of a collection of short stories that's why yeah okay yeah i've never heard of this guy anyway. interesting um well there's also of course the scene where they're filming like just like a mannequin, basically, or his is a blow-up doll, but the mannequin in the other movie, and then oh, you know yeah. it, gets, it gets used against them later. I also like the fact that in the Duff, it almost immediately destroys it. Like it's there for five minutes, and it, it like, oh, okay, well, let's find our way around this. And yeah. uh, this one, I mean, it's it's pretty embarrassing and damaging because it's high school in real life. No one would give a flying fart, you know. But in high school, they're looking for anything anything to make fun of you because so many people are just broken well the other thing too is is like you think about the time period too this was in the mid 90s duff you know was what mid mid what, 2012 yeah, or something 2015 like the times yeah. are very different and people move on much faster to things like that now because of the overexposure of social media. That's true, yeah, yeah. Every every day there's something else to distract you. You think this thing will stick? Yeah. You, want, you don't even get 15 minutes of fame. You get five at best. Nope. Yes, exactly. I would have liked to see a little more depth into understanding why Rick Sanford was the way he was. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like nowadays, well, no, they didn't even do that in the Duff. The villain, I hate it when the villain really is still stuck in that '80s pastiche where he's just the nemesis, yeah. but there's no depth to him or what, you know, ex- explanation of why they are the way they are. I would have appreciated that. Yeah, they're just bullies, and clearly, like they're gonna peak in high school. Yeah, I Yeah, that makes sense. This uh, so the, the writer director is Patrick Reed Johnson. He always interests me because of. So he had, he was supposed to do Dragonheart after Angus, but they saw what had happened with Angus and said it wasn't because it was shot for so little and it didn't really have the scope that they wanted, even though he was already part of the whole Lucasfilms crew. He worked on Star Wars. He did a lot of the special effects stuff for them for years and then other special effects movies through the year and whatever. And for some reason, they said that he wasn't appropriate for Dragonheart and they hired someone else who'd only directed one movie. I mean, I just don't understand what the idea was, but it would have been interesting if he had been able to leap from from Angus to, to Dragonheart, but after this, his career just kind of floundered. 
And yeah. he did a movie, and I want to say, I want to say it started filming. Oh God, like 2005? No, it says right here 2002. Holy shit! And it just got finished now, like within this the last. This five twenty five seventy seven. Yeah. Movie? Yeah, and it's. Yeah, like, I was super confused about it when I saw it, and I was like, "This doesn't really light up." <laughs> I don't know how they finished it. If, if they're doing it from a special effects standpoint, that makes sense. You can do that at any time. But if they had to reshoot footage with, uh, oh, shit, what's, yeah. the kid, what's the kid from Freaks and Geeks again? He's not a kid. He's oh, a man. He's a director. John Francis Daly. Yeah, thank you. You know, if they had to do that, they're going to have some digital de-aging or something. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the tips now. That's what everybody's doing. Yeah. I don't know. I still see it pretty obvious when I look at footage. Like, no, no, you erased it. The face is way too smooth. <laughs> Uncanny Valley look to it. Yeah. Now, I would say that Kathy Bates doesn't really have much to do in this movie. Nah, she doesn't. Uh, it seems like it's just something that she wanted to do to help get it made. And in fact... If that is true, then maybe it was one and a half million dollars. If she had true passion for it, she might have just taken scale. Who knows? Yeah. But fucking George C. Scott. Oh my I god, know. it's so good. Scrum, I guess. <laughs> That's my I, favorite I one. Liked, I thought that whole thing was just really funny and like lovely. Oh man, and and this, the time you spend with him and just the character. It's funny you spent almost more time with the characters in his life than you do with Angus is because, you know, he has his wife-to-be and his friend that he plays chess with and his relationship, of course, with Angus. I really... Oh, and then Rita Moreno where they try to teach him to dance. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was funny, too. Who doesn't love a montage? Damn it. I fucking love montages. Gonna have a montage! Montage! <laughs> um, but I cry every time I watch this movie. At least once. Oh, yeah. I think it's such... I mean, the first time, I was just bawling at the end. And then, for some reason, the second time I watched it, I took it over to a friend's house, and we started yeah. to watch it or whatever, and I literally started crying in the opening scene when they were playing uh, the band music. And I was like, what is happening to me? What is going on? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a it's for a low-key, kind of just small character piece, it is very powerful in, in what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a whole lot more I, I, I have to talk about. Is there anything else you want to say? No, not really. Just like, I mean, this was probably... I mean, I think this is the first place that we saw some faces, like Kevin Conley. Um, <clears throat> what's that other... What's that one girl's name that we saw in a lot of stuff? Uh, well, Ariana Richards. We, knew, we knew her... Oh, oh, her. I think you're talking about the girl from Jurassic Park. I was confused for a second. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, she didn't do... I don't feel like she did a lot of movies. No, she just did, like, the Tremors sequel. Like, she did part three, and that was about it. I think she's really, really sweet and, like, very, very believable. Yeah, and she's nervous. Yeah, they're both talking about how they're both sweaty and they're nervous, and I was like, that's a really sweet moment. Yeah, it really, the way that they bonded, it felt legit to me. It felt like it, could, it would have uh, really happened, and I appreciated that. Like, she was a real person, and he had to finally see that. The uh, the soundtrack I had um, when it came out, I, I just absolutely adored it. I still, I listened to it the other day just to get a feel for it. And I was like, shit, I remember every single one of these songs. Because this is like the year where I started collecting a lot of soundtracks. 
Because I had like the Jerky Boys, I had Mallrats, this, um, I think we had the Batman one. I think you owned the Empire Records soundtrack, but it seemed like, oh, and, and the, the Clueless. In 95 really seemed like it was a big year for soundtracks for like teen-oriented movies. Oh, yeah. But um, the, the funny thing is the song from the soundtrack was so huge. And just like Empire Records, it didn't matter. It didn't really affect like the box office for it. You would think that people like... I mean, you're seeing a promotion for these movies on MTV constantly, and yet nothing. Yeah, uh, was this, like, before Weezer got big? Uh, no, Weezer got big the year before. Uh, there, the Blue Album came out summer of 94, I believe, because by the time I was in college, um, everybody was wearing a Weezer shirt, so... But Dancehall Crashers is one of the few uh, female-led ska bands from this era, and I absolutely love them. They're on this soundtrack. Who is? Uh, Dancehall Crashers. They sing oh. the song, Enough is Enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it of what I want to say. This, oh, oh, no, I do want to say this. I need to find the TV cut of this because it says on Wikipedia that there was a whole subplot about his father. And they, oh yeah, uh-huh. and they cut it out of the theatrical edition, but they put it back in for the TBS t- uh, version. I I want to see that. Hmm. Yeah, I am really curious because I mean I read a little bit about what that plot was. Uh, that um, but I think it would have just you know added to his character's death. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just the fact that they erased it because one guy was mocking it in a test screening is kind of ridiculous. Oh, really? Is that it? Yeah, some guy started ra- yelling, like, racial, not racial, homophobic slurs at the screen or whatever. Uh, and instead of instead of changing the movie, why don't you just kick that asshole out? It was one dude, apparently, from what this says, and it upset everybody who was involved in the making of it. I'm sure it upset the, the writer, too, if it was part of the short story, so... Huh. Yeah. That, that would suck. Um... Catering to the loud voice in the room when it's only like one or two people is kind of ridiculous. So how would we go with the majority? <laughs> yeah, just because you know being the loudest doesn't mean that you're smart or right. Yeah. Um, our second film. That's it. <laughs> our second film was a much bigger hit, which surprised me because I didn't even know when it came out. I had never even heard of it. I just kind of stumbled upon it at the library. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Um, and it was called The Duff, and it made like forty-five million dollars. Do you remember this coming out at all? No. That's crazy. How does it make that much money? And we're movieaholics. you think either one of us would have been like, oh, okay, we know what this is. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going here. The Duff. Well, don't give me the Duffer Brothers. That's not what I wanted. All right. So uh, here's the craziest thing about the movie. And for a long time, I didn't understand it. I, I haven't seen this since it came out. I kept going, she's not fat. I don't understand. She's I not know. fat. It kept driving me nuts. But she's just kind of saying that's a slang for anybody who's kind of like the lesser than, I guess, in quotation marks, and the, the people that you're around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually think Mae Whitman's performance is absolutely fucking top-notch. I could not stop laughing, but also, like, she's really straightforward, and I fucking respect the shit out of, like, she just says whatever's in her head, you know? She didn't really hide anything. Yeah, she's like ridiculously herself and you know only does she question that when he gets in her head and that's not it yeah and and 
I also like, I feel like the, the realization of who she was in love with actually worked. It made a lot more sense. I mean, we, we know how it's going to happen because it's a movie, but at the same time, you're like, oh, you know, because usually, excuse me, I was silently burping. Um, what usually happens is the guy that she's in love with, but not, you know, like in quotation marks, in love with, not the real person she's in love with, it kind of turns out to be like a yeah. real fucking douchebag. And he is yeah. a little bit, but, like, you kind of, like, oh, not... You, you expect him to, be like, this is all set up for her to get embarrassed or something, or or she'll get... Or, or he'll just be a fucking asshole, whatever, and she didn't do her life any better. He's just like, oh, I didn't realize we are on a date date. Sorry. Are your friends... You know, like, you know, like, it's just... It sucks. It sucks dick yeah. that that happened, but it was, like, kind of circumventing, like, what they normally do in these movies. I mean, to be fair, I 100% have that happen to me. Where I liked someone, and he was hanging out. Actually, probably more than once that they would hang out with me just to like pepper me with questions about my hotter friends. I was basically the duff. I honestly. I'm, yeah, I'm so sorry. I've been. It's fine. It's fine. I've been in situations where I didn't realize the other person liked me, and I thought we were just hanging out. And then you find out later, you're like, "What the fuck? What? Did, nobody told me." No, it's like way too late or whatever. And I was like, oh man, if somebody had just spoken up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that uh, there's too many quote unquote rules to dating that are just stupid and destructive and lead to, the, and that are like, you know, not dishonest and encourage playing games and stuff that just. Uh, do everyone a disservice instead of just being direct. Why Which is I... like half of what's wrong with every yeah. I think I movie think in the planet. especially at that age though, I think a lot of people are embarrassed if it goes wrong. Yeah, like, sure. You work it out in your head. You're like, well, now I got to spend every day in this fucking facility with this person who may start telling other people and laughing at me or whatever, or then or you're not friends anymore. You just gets kind of squirmy, wormy around and whatever. So that's, that's different than real life. A lot of times when you're like, when you're an adult, you're like, well, I guess I don't have to really see that person on a regular basis. Or we're adults. Yeah. We'll get over it. But back then, you know, it's just it's, it's just different. So I get where she's coming from. And when, when she's humiliated in that little fake video that she does, not fake video, but, you know, the, the one she's just goofing around. Oh, yeah, my she God. didn't know there was a video. She was just being herself. Just Who the fuck is filming her? They, they, introduce this, they introduce this character... And she has no, she has nothing to do other than filming it and giving it to her friend. But that's, I think that was one major weak point of the movie is you don't understand why this person is doing it. That she's not even a character in any way. Like sometimes they say, oh, it's just a one-dimensional character. It's a no-dimensional character. I thought that was really stupid. Yeah. Plus, why are people gotta record everything? Just shut the fuck up. Oh God, I work at a fitness center and they're always filming themselves constantly, and I don't know why. Well, I was like, you're not that interesting. Yourself, at least it's your choice. I guess, but it's just weird how we're so obsessed with just ourselves and, and embarrassing other people. Like, ooh, look what I can catch. You know, I just, jeez. The only thing I can say about filming yourself at the gym is that it's possible, maybe, that they want to be able to go back and look at their form to see if they're doing it correctly. Yes, but a lot of times I just see like these kids just filming like every single moment. They're like, a turn, click, turn, lift some weights, turn again. I was like, what? Are you, you don't need 80 photos of you. You're just standing there smiling or looking at the camera. Uh, but I'm an old man shouting at the clouds. So what am I talking about? 
Um, so this cast didn't seem like they were as old as they were, but I'm looking and most of these guys are like in their mid twenties, which is something that we kind of moved away from in teen comedies. It seems like nowadays. Yeah, she it's... was like, she was like way too old to be in this movie. Well, she was so was Robbie. Really young. Yeah, both her and Robbie are in their mid thirties. Yeah, she's like shit now. She's like thirty five. Yeah. And what this movie came out in two thousand fifteen. I was didn't. Like eight years ago. I didn't know that she was the kid from Hope Floats because I was like the math in my head oh. that that doesn't. I don't know. I've only ever seen Hope Floats like once or twice, and it's been a really long time. But she, but she's been in a million movies since she was like five years old. What? I don't know what like, she was in. She was in like Independence Day. She was like the don't president's remember. daughter. Don't remember. She I... was in. She was in that one fine day. She played uh, the daughter of Clooney. She was in so many movies. Really? Because the first time I remember seeing her was on Arrested Development. I think Scott Pilgrim was soon after that, and then oh, yeah, she so... did. She'd been acting since she was like five. She had a whole like mo- like movie career. And then she, like, I think maybe took a break for a while before she even did uh, Arrested Development. Okay, okay. Um, I also need to ask, why is Bella yeah. Thorne a thing? I don't know why she's famous. She seems to be everywhere. I don't know. Like, every week it seems like there's a new independent movie with her in it, and I don't know who she is. I'm going to be honest, because she's just kind of gross. What was she in? Why is she famous? Was she in a show? Was she like a Disney? I kid? think she was on a Disney show or a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, uh. she maybe is a singer too, but I don't know. See, she's been acting since 1994. She was in When the Man Loves a Woman, Bye Bye Love, Independence Day. Wait, 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 wait. Are we talking? We're we're back to talking about Mae Whitman. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, that that the I don't know. I have no idea. Wait, this says she was in The Babysitter. That's why I know who the hell she is. Oh, yeah, What's yeah. What's funny, isn't, isn't Robbie Amell in The Babysitter movies as well? Yes, uh, he is. Indeed. That... Which I would very, very much like to do for Halloween this year. Yeah, I mean, there's two of them, and I got Netflix right now, so I'm going to have to watch them and take notes, because I will not remember by then. Yeah, I, I'm honestly not really sure. She seems to be a singer, but she must have done something in... Disney show or something. Yeah. Um, it's got a cast of ringers as, like, the support. I, I love it when they, they uh, have really funny people. And they don't... Like, it's the way with the uh, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You and She's All That. I think that started the whole trend of having, like, really good character actors, you know, that can do kind of improv and comedic, you know, stuff and, and instead of, like, making it over dramatic. Well, no. Hughes did that a little bit, didn't he? John Hughes, his films, they just weren't really known quantities, but they were funny actors that would just kind of uh, be on the sideline adding yeah, like, little bits Yeah, before, pieces. you know, back then it wasn't really so much about, you know, peppering in cameos and stuff, yeah. I don't think. But I think, I think uh, especially in the bloopers, holy shit, Ken Jeong and Chris Wilde together are so fucking funny. Did you watch the, the credits? Uh, Yeah, you should. It's very creative the way they did the credits, but also like they show tons of bloopers and they're just goofing around. I love it. I really actually like Kid Jong in this a lot. Sometimes he's a bit much. Oh yeah, he's, uh, sometimes he can I, be so fucking obnoxious that I can't stand it. I hate him. I know. The, I the thought he was movies. really. I liked him in this though. He was actually for a, a comedy 
whatever, he was actually a more subdued version, honestly. Yeah. I, I just... Um, Go ahead. Yes. I was going to say, Allison Janney is just always top-notch, in, in my opinion. Yeah. My favorite performance still is fucking Drop, uh, drop Day Gorgeous. God damn it, she's so funny in that. I don't know. It's like a real toss-up between Drop Dead Gorgeous and 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, it's really... It's a real toss-up for me. The, um... Do you remember? I don't. I don't remember her in Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, she's a she's teacher, the, right? She, she's the principal. Okay. Or the or the guidance counselor. And she's writing. You know, she's writing that romance novel, and she's like, keeps talking about like throbbing members. What's the <laughs> Do you not remember that? No, I don't remember. We just like, did that movie last year, I think. And she's like engorged. I don't know. It's <laughs> You should go back and watch it. Yeah. It's not a big part, but she has a couple like really like cool, like amazing scenes. The uh, anyway. but the dub, I, I really think the performances are top notch, and and it's a little predictable, but at the same time, it kind of spins things a little bit. So you're you kind of like, oh well, that's a fresh take on a cliche. Yeah, I really am a big big fan of Robbie Amell. Like, really big fan. Like, crazy big fan. So what has he been in? I know that he was part of uh, that Tomorrow show, Heroes of Tomorrow, or Legends of Tomorrow, but I only watched, like, the first season, so I don't really remember him. What is he known oh, for? Oh, well, I mean, I really, he, he, uh, he has a, a show I really like on uh, Amazon called Upload. Uh, also, he was in the last Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. I like that. Okay, I saw that. He was one, in yeah. both the, the babysitters movies. He's in, I don't know if you've seen this movie he did with his cousin Steven, which is Code Eight. Which <laughs> Ironically, is a I, movie. I own it. It's in the voodoo, it's, but I never got around to watching. It's, it. it's very good. Um, so he's just kind of like a working actor who's just got out there and not, not, nothing major, but he's just slowly been working himself uh, up the ranks. Basically. Like, he's done tons of stuff. Uh, he's been acting for a really long time, but I think that the first time maybe I noticed him, I, I don't know, he had a show too, The Tomorrow People, that was launched like a year. It was like right before this movie. <laughs> And then he's just been working pretty consistently ever since. Oh my God, he played Fred Jones in those those uh, directed video Scooby movies. I, I, I this seems ridiculous. Is that that's what sparked something in my head? But I've seen those, and he's really fucking good as Fred. That's funny. Okay, I might have to go find those. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing anyway, that that's what I found. <laughs> I just I I really if you uh, get a chance, watch the uh, upload. Okay. But, and Code 8 is really good, too. Um, anyway, yes, I'm a big fan. Big fan, big fan. Yeah, well, of the two movies, which do you prefer? Oh, I mean, I just... I think that the, the Duff is more fun. I, uh, yeah, I, I think don't want to cry every time I watch a movie, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I the, think the balance of what they were trying to do in... Uh, Angus is respectable. Like they really have some heavy drama moments, but some really silly yeah. fun moments. But if it, if you're going back to revisit something, it's probably going to be the Duff. Yeah, it's just like she's just always been such a quality actress. And um, I don't know, you know what? This feels so similar to me in like just the vibe as like maybe Easy A. 
Okay, yeah. Or something it, like that. Yeah, Very it's, similar. The, the way they handle a dialogue is way more natural than I ever expected. Yeah. I did want to say something, too. Like, I mentioned that I read the book uh-huh. of this, and it says in the in the information that the, the plots are wildly different. Are they? But I don't remember enough of it to say that yes it's true but what I can say is is that there's actually a ton of like sex and stuff in the book and they took all that out and made it cleaner which they don't usually make make movies cleaner than books they usually add huh that's probably for the best sometimes it can really I'm not approved but sometimes it can be a distraction in a movie well you don't necessarily like I don't know that it's necessary. Not that teenagers don't have sex. I'm not an idiot, but you don't need to see like tons of that on the on the screen. Right. That's just that's for thing. HBO. Like, <laughs> what? Isn't it funny how things have switched? Like nudity in movies is not welcome anymore, but it's very welcome in TV shows. <laughs> yeah. That's so uh, weird. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Like, so rarely do they, like, take out the romance or, you know, things like that. I mean, this was nice, but, yeah, it was a lot more... They, like, basically, instead of being friends, they had this weird, like, sex campaign thing going on, and that's how they bonded. It was uh, weird. So I kind of appreciate this, really. I, uh... They actually it said they intended for it to be R-rated and then decided during post-production to make it more family-friendly and edited it out to obtain a PG-13. So maybe that's where the changes came afterwards. Yeah. Well, and also CBS Films produced this, and by this time they were on the ropes. They were no longer distributing their own movies. They, they distributed this ah. through Lionsgate, and they're like, we gotta, you know, I'm assuming they're just like, we gotta have a hit somehow. And then this is the only one I think that was successful for them. Yeah. Weird. Mm. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say before we go? Does this movie make any money? Yeah, it made a lot of money. It cost eight million and made forty-five. It cost eight million and what you cut out? Oh, it made forty-five million. Okay, I was just curious because it said something about like breaking records on like Fandango or something. Really. Weird. I'm, yeah. assu- I'm assuming they yeah. don't mean because Fandango back then did digital sales too. I'm wondering. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is it, everybody. You know where to find us. We are out. See you later.